Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. December 19th, 2021. Welcome to the First Words podcast. This is Rev. Dale Cohen, Senior Pastor at First United Methodist Church in Florence. And we're continuing our series in Advent called All the Good, and today we're talking about responding. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord." And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation." He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember as a child anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Sears Christmas catalog. The Wish Book, as it became known, was first published in 1933 and continued until 2005. Sears mailed it in late August, and its pages contained every possibility for what any American child could hope to find wrapped under the tree on Christmas morning. Maybe for you it was the J.C. Penney, Montgomery Ward, or even the F.A.O. Schwartz Christmas catalog. The idea behind these colorful books was for retailers to sell more stuff, and it worked until it didn't in the mid-2000s. But what about our wishes for things we can't buy for Christmas? There are plenty of things we want that don't come in a box. If this will be the first Christmas without a loved one, or possibly the second or more, I'm sure you wish you could celebrate Christmas with that special person one more time. Or maybe this is the first Christmas holiday after a separation, divorce, or some other relational breakup, and you wish the emptiness, loneliness, and anger would disappear. 
Maybe it's the first Christmas since you moved away from your family and friends, and you wish you could find a sense of belonging in the new place. Maybe you've been laid off or you've been unemployed for a while, and you wish you could find a job where you could afford to buy the basics without public assistance or charity. Or maybe you're in debt up to your ears, and despite what should be a sufficient income, you wish you weren't living paycheck to paycheck trying to make ends meet. Maybe you're just tired of living in fear in this crazy world, and you wish you could find a sense of peace in your future. Unfortunately, there's no wish book filled with products that can fulfill any of these longings. The world Jesus came into was a world filled with people who dreamed of a different life. The Israelites lived in occupied land, and the Romans treated them horribly. The Israelites assumed God was punishing them, so they wished to be forgiven and restored to their God. The psalmist captured their wish list with these words, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angered despite the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. You have made us the derision of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Instead of focusing on the goodness of God, the Israelites were focusing on themselves. If God wasn't answering their prayers, they must have done something to offend God. We all must learn to live with unanswered prayers, not because God has turned his back on us in anger, but because God is at work fulfilling an even greater good for all humanity. When our prayers go unanswered and our wishes remain unfulfilled, it's a call to look for what God is already doing, and once we discover it, to join him wholeheartedly. We may find that what we wanted was far less than what God wants to give us. I believe God constantly prompts us through the Holy Spirit to help him accomplish his will here on earth. If we're in tune with the promptings and we dare to respond, then we get to participate in God's grand plan for transforming the world into the kingdom of God. The book of James says it best, and I'm using the message paraphrase. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? There's a Nicaraguan American artist named Frank de la Mercedes who mails small boxes with brightly colored abstract designs on them. You can see a an example of one by going to the show notes and clicking on the link. 
He sends these boxes to anyone, anywhere in the world, for free. Posted under the address is a label that reads, Fragile, Handle with Care, Contains Peace. Frank recalls a visit to his local post office where he observed people's sense of expectation about the boxes they receive, especially at Christmas. It was then he thought of sending these colorful boxes worldwide with a message of peace. Since 2006, Frank has mailed more than 17,000 boxes to people worldwide. He hopes that people who receive them will consider the importance of pursuing the things money can't buy, such as peace, hope, and love. Granted, it's a small act, but Frank is doing more than just wishing. He's risking doing something. Advent is a season of waiting. However, it's not an idle season. It's an active one. If we want the world to experience the peace that Jesus brings, we must actively pursue it with courage and hope. It requires us to do something counterintuitive, even countercultural, that creates the world God envisioned. It requires us to do the things Jesus did and to respond to the world in the way Jesus responded. It requires us to believe that no matter how, how hard it gets, we'll follow Jesus wherever he leads us even if people reject us for doing the Jesus thing. We see this with Mary and Elizabeth in the Christmas narrative. They see things not for what they are, but for what they might be. The conventional wisdom of the first century would have relegated these women to nothing more than second-class citizens with an extra dose of shame assigned to Mary for being an unwed mother. They're the least likely of prophets to take a revolutionary stand. Mary's song is known as the Magnificat, taking the Latin translation of the word magnifies, as in my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. But then in her song, she turns her attention away from herself, and she prophesies about what her Son will do for the world. She says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Scott McKnight in Christianity Today wrote, Mary's words move beyond the personal exaltation of a poor pregnant woman. They are a declaration from a voice at the bottom of society. It is a voice crying from the depths that God's Messiah was finally bringing justice for the poor. It is a voice proclaiming a new order, an order centered on her son, the one who would save his people from their sins. And you can see this reference in Matthew 1.21. 
So this Christmas, part of the challenge involves taking our minds off our holiday boxes filled with stuff and looking at the world, envisioning how the fulfillment of Mary's vision changes things. Remember, the peace Jesus brings requires more than wishing on our part. It requires doing something. Now, let's do all we can to enjoy the holidays with our gift-giving and family celebrations, but let's not stop there. Once we put away all the decorations, let's take the opportunity to join Jesus in working for a better world for all. Each of us has a role to play. If you're looking for something to do, consider serving with one of the great ministries we support here, like the Shoals Food Truck Ministry, Meals on Wheels, or Room in the Inn. Now, I'm not asking you to mail out colorful boxes with a message of peace, although you may choose to do something similar. I'm asking you to take the risk of living a life that goes against the grain of our culture of more and live the same kind of simple life Jesus lived. I'm asking you to risk living a life of faith instead of a life of fear. Risk living a life of forgiveness instead of a life of retaliation. Risk living a life of love instead of a life of hate. Risk living a life of peace instead of a life of violence. Once you commit to living as Jesus lived, you'll begin an adventure like no other. A missionary couple, Don and Carol Richardson, set off for New Guinea to become the first Christian missionaries to the Sawi tribe, a primitive culture cut off from civilization who still engaged in cannibalism. It was a very dangerous mission. After learning the Sawi language and carefully interacting with the tribesmen to gain their trust, the Richardsons began their work of sharing the gospel. No matter what they tried, they couldn't get the message of God's love across to these primitive people. There were two rival clans among the Sawi who were constantly at war. After no less than 14 deadly battles between the two clans, it seemed as if the missionaries failed. So one evening, the Richardsons announced to the Sawi people they were leaving. To their surprise, the Sawi leaders pleaded with them to stay, promising to make peace between the two clans. The following day, with the tribesmen still brandishing spears, the two clans lined up on either side of a clearing in the jungle. The air was filled with tension as the women and children paced behind the warriors anxiously. After several minutes of tense posturing, a warrior grabbed his infant son from his wife's arms and ran with him across the meadow. His wife followed, crying, begging him not to do it. In Sawi, he shouted to the leaders of his enemies, Plead the peace child for me. I give you my son and my name. Moments later, a warrior from the other clan brought his baby forward too, and the mood relaxed. Because of this pact, the rival groups would live in peace as long as these two peace children lived. 
This ritual gave Don an idea about how to share the good news of God's love with the Sawi people. He approached the warriors and told them about another peace child given by God to the whole human race. Finally, they understood the gospel, resulting in their willingness to follow Jesus. Eventually, hundreds of Sawi gathered for a Christmas feast at which one of the tribesmen read the words of Isaiah in his native language. For a child has been born for us, a son is given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace that Jesus brings requires more than wishing, It requires taking a risk and doing something that takes us out of our comfort zones. Maybe we can learn to pray Mary's prayer, trusting God to do something great in and through us. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. God is looking with favor on us, his children, and waiting for us to respond. Can God count on us? Can God count on you? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to share with you God's love for you. Take care. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about how to get involved in the community or join our services, please visit us at fumcflorence.org or on facebook.com slash florencefumc.org.